But, I mean, God, what can you expect when you're on top? No, wait, 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 wait. Not this part. New Line Cinema presents a portrait of two decades in the life of a business, the days of a dreamer, and the nights in between. Boogie Nights. And today is our second, second Paul Thomas Anderson outing. Yes. Um, and it is David's second, or what are we saying? Second and a half? Yeah, we'll, we'll call it that. We'll call it second, and very least. Uh, second, and a, second and a half Paul Thomas Anderson movie. This is Boogie Nights. This currently resides at number five. On my in your all, top movies of all time. In my top movies of all time. These are not the best movies of all time. These are my favorites. Your favorites. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and <then> when, <laughs> um, yeah. When I, I, I just go off. <laughs> I just go off. Movies that I find eminently rewatchable. Movies that I have a great time rewatching. Movies that I know back and forth, more or less. Movies where my big thing is every time it cuts to the next scene, I go, Oh, yeah, it's this great scene. Yeah, where there's never a scene where it's like, Oh, god, okay, now we got to sit through this. Yeah, no, um, it's a it's a fantastically made piece of cinema, it's got great pacing, the performances are stellar. I don't see how you can watch this movie more than once without being like, okay, and now I'm exhausted and want to sleep for the next three days. I, <laughs> honestly, with your reaction to this, I don't know what the fuck you're going to do with Magnolia. <laughs> you know that Magnolia is three hours long? Yeah, I know Magnolia is three hours long. Hence the reason I watched the first 10 minutes, yeah. Uh, you know that there's like, you know all the fun stuff in this and like the first fun 40 minutes and all that sort of stuff. There's none yeah, of that in like, Magnolia. There's none of that. It's Magnolia truly is going to be just misery for three hours. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolute, just absolute knockout. And uh, there are times where I prefer Magnolia to Boogie Nights, but uh, that's because I'm a sadist. Um, yeah, that checks out. <laughs> I, you, you asked me when did I first see Magnolia, and I'm trying to pin, I've been trying to pin down in my head, but I don't know. I should have had a letterbox my entire life. That would have been good. <laughs> I still don't have letterbox now. Do you have letterbox, David? Can't say that I do now. Yeah. It's like an app where you watch your movies and all that sort of thing, and you catalog. You don't watch. Catalog what you, you don't watch enough movies, do you? To, I, to that's the thing. I, I'm not, I'm not sitting. App. I'm not sitting down regularly enough to watch a movie, to like log what I've been watching. Mm. You know. Mm. Whereas. Widows like me. Uh, we, I, yeah, so I, I believe Boogie, Boogie Nights will have been my first Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And uh, as it was for many people. 
um, in the time of release. Yeah, no, it was def that was definitely the first. Then how I was. How does it compare for you to a uh, hard eight? I think it's a it's like a very very clear jump. To me, this feels like oh, we've given him more budget. I mean, what's the, so this this actually well, makes yeah. money, of course. It's um, clearly like a higher budget and everything. They've got yeah. 15 million budget makes 43.1. Um, it just, it just to me feels like a very clear big second movie, more money. And then Magnolia feels very clearly like give him even He's more established. money. Yeah. And then Magnolia is this huge, incredible mess that maybe works, maybe doesn't work. For those it does work, it's like a it's god tier. And for those it doesn't, I literally multiple people have had the conversation with me of what you you've seen yeah a you've seen magnolia more than once and b what the fuck well i don't want to give it away as as we know you haven't seen the final half an hour of magnolia um which i'm fascinated to hear what you think um, <laughs> did you know anything about boogie nights david did you know it was a, the this chronicle of the porn industry did you know anybody no, who was know. in it didn't know a thing going in. Uh, you had told me a little bit about the cast the night before. Um, mm. The hell of a cast. I mean, mm. I do love John C. Riley and anything that he does. Mm. Um, I, I'd say some of my favorite scenes in this movie were Burt Reynolds. Uh, oh, yeah. For sure. Um, yeah, fantastic cast. But now, didn't know a thing about this movie going mm -hmm. in. And now, I mean, you've sort of let it let it slide. You've let it out. Your your initial reaction. Peep behind I, the curtain. We literally just finished watching this ten minutes just, ago. Yeah, literally. Uh, yeah, initial reactions. So, like I said, fantastically yeah. made movie. Glorious performances from the whole cast. Mm. Um, really, really well done. Two and a half hours of unabated misery. <laughs> uh you know even the high moments it, it, it it's it's the it's a fantastic um rise and fall movie you i was know, interested is... i was interested by what you were saying about the that you're not a huge rise and fall movie person they exhaust you yeah they're exhausting they're exhausting for me mm. to watch uh they can be anyways um i, I think specifically coke movies there's something <laughs> there's something about like goodfellas casino wolf of wall street and this well, like my fr good friend David Robinson, previous and future guest, The Irishman is not like this. I don't know if you watch The Irishman, but I don't think anybody does coke in The Irishman. And she describes <laughs> Irishman as like this lovely warm blanket. And, and it's just like, you know, I mean, obviously it's very sad <laughs> as it goes on. But there is something about that. Again, I've never done cocaine, but the, the way that my people I know who have done coke talk about this, the coke hangover. And just like you feel like absolute shit and everything's so fast and then everything's so slow. Yeah. All of these movies give you a bit of a coke hangover they, because they, they are so excessive and speedy and rapid. It's, and that's what makes it fantastic, I think. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, it's very well crafted and the evidence that it's a good movie is that I am so tired afterwards. <laughs> uh, like, which is why I think people are shocked when you say, oh, I watched this to relax. Or <laughs> this is my favorite movie to rewatch. It's like, it, is, it is a bit of a comfort film for me. Yeah. I, I imagine once you've watched it enough times and you know where yeah. things are coming. Yeah. For me, as a first time viewer, it was very effective movie because I felt absolutely swept up in the yeah. sort of 
quote-unquote glamour of the mm -hmm. porn star lifestyle in the 70s and uh you know burt reynolds house and just the frenetic energy that builds up to the dramatic kind of twist um yeah yeah i'd was... say from from like going to jack's house the first time up until like the first part the second porn awards that's just like my happy place <laughs> oh yeah it's it's just it's just shots of partying in the 70s yeah it's yeah. great <laughs> it's... and then uh, and then i would say the final 10 minutes as well is some of the most comforting just it's a, it's a lovely it's a lovely last 10 minutes he mm. did you know make an effort to pick us back up after he had dropped us back down there paul uh because mm. it, it gets rough there at the end the yeah. uh the fall is a fall for sure oh yeah you're green yeah, look at that Oh God! Here, you want to pause it real quick? I'll see about a new uh, camera. It's one of my. Okay. It's probably one of my favorite genres. <laughs> is no, the I, uh, is the rise and fall Coke movie? <laughs> I, I I fucking love Goodfellas. Obviously, I I love Casino, and Casino mm. is a bit like this, where the darker stuff is darker, and the highs aren't that high. Well, I know. No, they are very, very high. They're just in this seedy world, aren't they? That's... Well, the thing is, I think of these movies almost like the modern tragedy in the way that like yes. Othello yeah, 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 or yeah, yeah. Um, Antigone, what, what, what Othello and Antigone were to their mm. generations or to their time period. I feel like these movies fit that niche where you've yeah. got like the tragic hero who's, you know, the, his his qualities and traits don't necessarily change throughout the movie, but we see how they bring him to the heights of success, and also how those same traits bring him to the very bottom of you know what yeah. life has to offer. And uh, well, I'll just say it again: my perfect idea for a TV channel is the right is the first half of Rise and Fall movies. I don't know how many times I have to say this for people to just make it. <laughs> like <laughs> this, just like just cut. Just before just string, just string the first 45 minutes of yeah. all these movies together. <laughs> and it would just be this glorious, ah, oh, this is wonderful. Um mm. let's talk, let's get into we talked, we talked broadly. Uh yeah, I I undeniably this is like my number five favorite film. I I, I love it. It's definitely my favorite Paul Thomas Anderson movie. I don't know if it's the best. Um it, it probably isn't the best. I I would say there will be blood is this crowning achievement of well anyway we'll get there but I mean, like, he's had more practice at that point but you like yes, the raw yes. unrefined paul thomas Anderson. i like raw hard eight boogie nights magnolia sprawling epics uh, specifically boogie nights and magnolia because boogie nights and magnolia are these close well magnolia is three hours these three hour heady dramas filled with characters, filled with intensity, that don't let up their pace for three hours and, and just... carry it along. Yeah, absolutely yeah. knock you out. Whereas then Punch Drunk Love is just 90 minutes, just this straightforward, it's these two people, which is great. I love all these movies. I, then There Will Be Blood is this sprawling epic, but is one person. The master is a whole different kettle of fish. But I, 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 we'll talk about it next week, but there is a part of me that just goes, oh, what if he just kept making these big movies with Julianne Moore, with Philip Seymour Hoffman, with John C. Reilly, with Philip Baker Hall, with all these people that are in these multiple early movies? Is there a world where, 
like that 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 keeps so reaping politics. Thomas Anderson brand. Yeah. yeah. I I don't know that that I'm sure he's still got him in him. Uh but I mean I think it's it's very impressive for a movie with this many characters and this much going on and such a pace to keep you invested every step of the way. I think it's it's the mark of a great filmmaker and I think it's why people love him it, it, you know I think it's why you can see in his very first two movies he's already an incredibly incredibly promising director because for for two first attempts these are pretty inc- I mean even if they're just incredible movies just mm. good movies flat out and uh, of course all these characters and all these strands come together in a lovely perfect bow here and nobody can deny that this film works whether they like it or not it works whereas with yeah. magnolia there is this huge conversation of does this work at all or is this just a big mess <laughs> with a with a disastrous 30, final 30 minutes but we will see i don't know where you're gonna land but anyway we'll see 10 minute stretch let's get to the body of the film i mean this is this is also one of those movies where literally i was i mean you were ne- sat next to me there was a period where i would just never stopped writing and i've just like 10 minute stretch okay then this is the best single minute throughout the whole movie <laughs> it's just one of those things where it, like the 10 minute stretch opening one shot hiring eddie and 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 that glorious one shot best of my love the emotions it's just an absolutely electric opening i don't know whether you I, I thought it was a, I thought it was great. I loved following Jack through the club at the beginning mm, and then yeah. following him through his house at the end. I thought it was a really great way to kind of bookend the picture. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I thought those were nice. I like the kind of pawn setup of, of him actually hiring Eddie. It is kind of like a pawn setup. Oh, you've come out to the middle of nowhere. You know, you, what do you want to be? And, and, and it's this, you know, I, I, you know, if it's if you want to see me jack off, it's ten. But you know, if you just want to see it, it's five. <laughs> and so you didn't even do an IMDb quick synopsis read before we started watching. No, I figured it'd be best if I just go in knowing absolutely nothing. Oh, that yeah, yeah that is good. So you were like, <laughs> oh, this is about porn. <laughs> when did you realize that? <laughs> when he said, um, I make exotic well, films. I I mean, I got I got the point that it was going to be a movie about the porn industry pretty much as soon yeah. as yeah jack jack solicited eddie for <laughs> it, it, i mean it, it becomes pretty clear very quickly i think it's very clear what burt reynolds is as he walks into this club as yes burt reynolds is jack Horner. let's talk about these two because uh we this is of course a grand ensemble however these are our two leads i would say i mean obviously burt yeah, reynolds was Mark nominated. And- yeah burt reynolds was nominated best supporting but obviously it's it's more or less a co-lead Let's talk about let's talk about Bert first. So I'm going to mention this here. We're going to have the debate of whether it will be better later. Originally, Paul Tom, Paul wanted Warren Beatty, mm. um, and then cast Bert Reynolds. Let's talk about Bert Reynolds' actual relationship with Paul Thomas Anderson and his time <laughs> here, because there are so many different angles. That it, it, like there was undoubtedly a big fight on right. the day of them shooting the uh the weirdly enough the fight between uh you yeah. know i'm ready to shoot it's my big dick i'm ready to what, shoot what was the fight about i guess burt reynolds just finally decided i don't like this movie i think or... it was, the, the way that it's been reported on is he didn't like 
who thought he was a cocky little kid, which by all accounts, Paul Thomas Anderson was in these earlier days. Hmm. He thought he was this, you like, cocky little kid, you know, I, I, and I'm this star, and again, I'm this star of the past 20 years, and now I'm here in this independent movie. And yeah. as you talked about, we watched the first half with, with, with previous and future guest Rian Holmes, and um, so she literally watched the first time and was like, oh, this is lovely. She didn't say that. But like, actually, no, because she did stay for a little bit of the 80s. So she didn't even get God only knows. She just, had an, really absolute, yeah, she yeah. just had an absolute sad ending. <laughs> but she, um, you were both talking about how the perspective of we're watching it now with this being a critically acclaimed movie and we can see that it works. I'd say that reading the script itself yeah, I mean, some of that perspective must have been there. You can't read this script and not think and and not see well, some mean, grain of quality. And we've got—I don't know. I guess it depends on how you're looking at it. I, and for Burt Reynolds, I don't know. If it, it, this director—it's this kid's second movie. Mm -hmm. Like you said, he's been a leading man in Hollywood for decades at this point. Uh, the scripts that he's had before this one are not like this. No, they're not good for a start, but anyway. Yeah, and I mean, some of his some of his lines in this were, I, I don't know. I, I think there, there's definitely something good in the script. Whether or not that's what Burt Reynolds was looking at, we'll never know, uh, essentially. I, I can see how Burt Reynolds would be concerned working on this picture, though. <laughs> yeah, Reynolds did not get along with that. This is just Wikipedia. This is the general broad facts. Reynolds did not get along with Anderson whilst filming. That's well known. After seeing a rough cut of the film, Reynolds fired his agent after he recommended it to him. That's, that's true. Despite this, he won the Golden Globe Award and was nominated for the Oscar. Later, Anderson wanted Reynolds to star in his next film, Magnolia, but Reynolds declined. I don't know in what role. And then mm. Re in 2012, Reynolds denied rumours that he disliked the film and called it extraordinary and saying that his opinion of it has nothing to do with his relationship with Anderson. So then this is just before his death in 2000. Well, no, Bert Reynolds died in 2018. This is just before um, his death in 2017. Um, this is when they're doing, uh, he's doing press tours for Phantom Thread. And he talked about, uh, he this is Paul Thomas Anderson. I think that when Bert and I kind of got into it, it might have been the day, it may have been the day before or the day after, but it was a really tense three days on the set. The other 57 days were really fun and a lot of laughs, but there were these three tense days there in the middle where Mark was fighting with Bert or in the film, looking back, it was really in the nasty part of the movie too, when really everything's kind of going wrong. When it's the good times and everybody's got their silk disco pants on and everything, we're having a ball. It's really fun. But when it starts to get cocaine glossy and hangovers, there's all that. There's blood and the fun of it all is wearing off. It was the middle of the summer, it was really hot, and we were all stuck together in that house for a long time, and things were just, they were heated. I mean, I can see that, and I, I hear, you know, you hear things about working with Mark Wahlberg, I guess. Uh, yeah. Who knows? I mean, could have been also almost the same thing that Eddie was struggling with towards the end of the movie, is here's mm -hmm. Burt Reynolds, the guy on his way out of being the leading man in Hollywood, and here yeah. comes Mark Wahlberg. The literal sex appeal of the movie, essentially. Mm. Yeah, it's a lot of things going on on this set that we'll probably just never know about that Burt Reynolds. 
just about. Just about. Yeah. No, I. Uh, oh God, I'm throwing my things around. I have the script here, David. I forgot, oh. to, I forgot to show you earlier. Oh, look at that. That's a sign from God. I flipped it open and there's Philip Baker Hall as Flood Gondoli. I'm a simple man. I like butter in my ass and lollipops in my mouth. You know what I love, David, that I can start quoting Boogie Nights to you now. Maybe you don't want maybe you don't want that, but uh... as long as it's not that one line over and over again. <laughs> yeah, I'll mix it up. The the film is dedicated to Ernie Anderson, his dad, who died during this. And then uh during I believe he saw a rough cut I can't remember but then he was having serious cancer issues and all and I believe that then led to a branch of dementia and then that becomes much of the thrust for the Tom Cruise segment of Magnolia um, ah. and those scenes you're going to be begging for that custody hearing you're going to be begging for Julianne Moore crying out against a wall <laughs> hearing Jason Robards a genuinely dying man perform the role of a dying a dying man going the fucking regret the fucking regret is the most it, it, it shakes me to my absolute core it was also dedicated to robert ridgley who played the colonel who also died uh, around the um filming um who died died around the release sorry um, Robert Ridgely, who is excellent in this as the Colonel. As the Colonel, yes. That's we, love his, we love the wrap up for his little story. We, love, we do love the wrap up for his little story. <laughs> I love this. Is that it makes you feel guilty because in a world where we don't get the second half of the movie, the Colonel is one of my favorite characters. Undoubtedly, he has the funniest moment in the entire film. It's Robert Ridgely's best performance. <laughs> I hear you get a great big cack. May I see it? Thank you, Eddie. <laughs> absolutely knockout. Just the, um, the, I love that we stay on his face for that shot as well, and it just does not move for a solid 10, 15 seconds. This is another glorious thing with a movie that has a long length. Don't. It's not the only thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it can breathe. Yes. Yeah, I, have... I, I famously love, like, if a movie can justify its length, then I am so, so in for it to be longer. <laughs> like, with, with this, we're going to talk about a couple of deleted scenes, and I'm just like, okay, we don't actually need these. Just put them fucking in. If, I'm, yeah. if I am there for more than two hours 20, make it just, three hours. Just might as well throw yeah. it in there. <laughs> also, when it comes to, like, DVD and Netflix, why the fuck not? And you know what really annoys me? when The Irishman came out and people were saying, it's three and a half hours long. And I was saying, you're going to watch 10 hours of The Office and feel nothing. And <laughs> you, it, it drove me. I was really, really an annoying person. Um, you're not surprised by that. Uh, <sighs> um, the audition. Well, it's a kind of audition. Roller girls blow job. Quote-unquote <laughs> um, audition. Then, I just want to. I want to know what closet Burt Reynolds was watching the BJ from. <laughs> no, he was getting the report. Yes, yes, he but was he, getting him comfortable with <laughs> Roller Girl. But um, more great reaction to the dick there from Roller Girl, ah, and then the big gasp before she goes down. Brilliant sound. Brilliant sound design of just that gasp of breath. Just ingenious sound design in this movie. Into the diner. I've got a dream, you know, you know, and I've made them too. They're a lot of fun. Everybody has a lot of loot. Everybody has a few laughs. We all fuck each other's brains out and we go home. It's great. 
but I have a dream. <laughs> and this is Tarantino's biggest problem with the film. Ooh, Tarantino's problem with the film. Because Jack Horner was based off multiple people. All of these people were based off multiple people. But one of the main people that Jack Horner was based off was a real life porn director. And Tarantino's biggest issue is that he don't, he doesn't think it's believable or truthful, or they mean the same thing. Uh, he doesn't, he doesn't think it works that Jack Horner is this. I don't know if fools. No, no, no. I don't know if fools naive of I'm going to make Citizen Kane because the real life person who he was based on was like, no, 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 no. These are porn films. We're trying to make really good porn films, but we're not trying to make, you know, whereas Jack, well, sure, but then, yeah. but then we don't have any reason to care about, I, I, I guess Jack needed something more. I, mm. Yeah. In real life, the guy who he's based off of knew that he was making porn films and wasn't out to make art. But that's not interesting, I guess, for a movie. Or it, it can be. And maybe that's the movie that Quentin Tarantino would have written. I think he likes to really give all of his characters all kinds of reasons for doing yeah. things. I don't know. I thought it worked. I kind of I kind of liked that element of Jack's character. It made him interesting. It's like, yeah, he's, he's a it's jaded, a... experienced porn director who still wants to make art I don't know. also he's a bit of a he's he is not a not a square but like he's a bit green isn't he like he, doggy doo doo he barely swears yeah i i don't know i thought it was interesting i i i drink seven up at the diner like yeah. you know i i thought they were great touches for him and mm. i think it was part of what made him one of my favorite characters in the movie one because yeah. i just love her friends but also because he just had this really neat thing going of He's a director for porn movies. He lives in a world of vice. Uh, but he has all these little, he drinks seven up at the club and wants to make art and doesn't swear. You know, a, I don't know. Of course, Just, it makes it very effective when he pounces that guy. Fuck you, fuck you. When he does break and yeah. he does have these moments where he embraces like the seedier elements of life. But it's, I thought it was very clear that Jack was supposed to be kind of this anchoring element in this world of like, mm. His house is the house that it's safe to come and do cocaine at and yeah, have yeah, your yeah. parties. And, like he he has the vice all around him, but he never lets it get out of control in the way that younger, more inexperienced people seem to, or the men around him, as we see, you know, let happen. Fucking colonel. Uh, which leads into roller girls uh, couch sex. Are we gonna fuck? Yes. Oh yeah. You're officially out of limes, Jack. Um, <laughs> I, I just love this. I, I I intentionally didn't quote along because this is one of your first watches and we were doing a podcast about it. Like when we watched Misery, I quoted along because I knew that I knew that we were gonna be we weren't gonna be podcasting. But the, again, all these little things, and I know that there, there that there is suddenly then forty minutes of dead silence. I this is literally like when we did Go with the Dragon Tattoo with Rian. And I was like, I love this movie so much, even though it's one of the darkest movies ever. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know what clicks for me. I think it's the filmmaking and how well they've been paced and, and all these things. That's the thing. I think if, you, if you're if you caught up in the elements of why the story is working so mm. well, that, like, I, I think that's kind of like, if the story is working well, you're swept up in it and you don't notice all these little parts working together, unless... Of course, you have watched every single movie in existence 
10 times, in which case at some point, you know, the the framework starts to become more apparent, I guess. So I, yeah. I think I, another thing you're on, you're on about, which might be a lead to me, it being rewatchable for me, is that this was your first time and you didn't know how it was going to end. And yeah, I think, I think you mentioned this with it being a comfort film for me is that, oh, wait, yeah, I can't remember seeing this on a first time. I probably too was worried that everybody was just going to get fucking shot and like the yeah. fight and it was just going to get worse and worse and worse. Like I kept like, it was that thing of like, I know that we're going to get the Rahad Jackson scene and I know that we're then going to go into God only knows. So I can have a sort of relaxation. Whereas you were like, Oh my God, is this just going to keep getting gonna worse? Be, it's going to just be 45 minutes of downhill turns until mm. everyone's dead and Jack's left alone in his sad, empty seventies house. Yeah. <laughs> Which also, uh, you would not be surprised at all, would be one of my favorite films. Yeah, no, absolutely. You would eat that up if that was how the movie ended, because you could empathize with Jack and be like, that's going to be me one day. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I hate life. Uh, meeting everybody at Jack's, like Jack's first party house. This is where we meet John C. Riley properly and, and talk about this, because this was like your big, oh, your big favorite part of the film. John C. Riley and Mark Wahlberg's relationship in this movie might be one of my favorite parts of the movie. I think Jack, scenes with Jack and then the scenes shared between John C. Riley and Mark Wahlberg were just fantastic. Uh, I loved so something you never really get anymore is like John C. Riley and Mark Wahlberg being compared to one another. <laughs> yeah, 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 I can see that. Uh, you know, the, it was just great. That whole first moment, that first interaction at the bar. Uh, oh my God, just fantastic. There's such a, they have such a nice chemistry in this and they play off of each other so well. I don't know, I, I loved it. I love that it's almost exactly the same dynamic. As I mentioned this, I quoted it a when we were watching it. A stepbrother's as. <laughs> We just become best friends. It literally they're just, has. They're, they're, they're the last two brain cells. And they have everything in common. And they're just great. They're just great. It is wonderful. Oh. Um, I also have here, so then the pawn shoot. Um, the, one of the, probably one of, uh, definitely one of the most awkward uh, 10 minutes and most uncomfortable, especially when you're watching it with one of your good friends and his girlfriend. Um, but I mean, definitely one of the best crafted, I would say. I love the way anytime it gets too hot or too uncomfortable, because it is sexy, you know, they, you know, it's like in Mad Men, it's involuntary, don't be flattered. But like, you know, the, it's this sexy thing, but anytime it gets too sexy, too hot, we cut to the boredom. We cut to the fact that everyone has seen this a thousand times yeah. and we're making yeah. a movie. Yeah, It's getting, it's sexy, it's sexy, it's sexy, it's sexy. Cut inside the camera. Look at the literal film going through the rail. Film this is a business. Out, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I love it. And also we get the, those moments of Julianne Moore putting it on. Like, you know, okay, okay, kids, uh, we got to we got to switch angles. I thought, I thought it was, I thought it was great that we got to see kind of the dichotomy between like, Mark Wahlberg's character, who at this point is very inexperienced and doesn't really know what's going into this, and Julianne Moore's character, who has been here, done this a thousand times. I really liked kind of seeing the dichotomy between experienced porn actors and whenever we were bringing somebody new in to do things for the first time, and the way that it was just so natural and easy for the people that have been doing this to just roll right into that character, essentially. And his constant focus on does it look sexy? Do, do I look? Do, sexy. I, look, do look, I look sexy? Um, do I look cool? Yeah. yeah, he's just he's so desperate for um, 
for just approval you know yeah he wants so badly for people to like um which i thought was great and those scenes with his mom really really do a very good job of showing us exactly why he is sucked into this world so readily essentially go ahead and fuck that little girl um also in this bond shoot 10 minute stretch we also have scotty with the pen and with (laughs) and doing the whole yeah and doing, oh, you know, oh, you look, you look really great. Yeah. You look really, really great. I um, love your name. It's a great name. <laughs> I, I also, oh, I, so I, speaking of the name, I love when uh, Jack, Jack's like, okay, Eddie, so you're going to go over here. And then again, very professionally, is it okay if you call me Dirk from now on? Of course. Of course. No, 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 no. Of course. My, my bad. Of course. And I also love William H. Basically, who's Dirk Diggler? Uh, he's the <laughs> new kid, Eddie, from the club. Good name. <laughs> Good name. No. Um, then, oh my God, I've got saddest, the saddest little cuck in Hollywood. <laughs> oh, poor little Bill. Poor little Bill. I <laughs> my next ten minute stretches are straight to the ending. I I guess I then really? I, I then have a lot of best single minutes, but hmm. my next ten minute stretch is the New Year's Eve. Is Floyd Gondoli? Yeah. Is Eddie taking coke for the first time? Is meeting Todd? Is Scotty's attempt to kiss and little bill's uh double homicide suicide um like you were talking what, what was it it was i it, it it was the machine gun montage the commodore's machine gun uh, the song's called machine gun it was the porn awards oh. montage and you were saying yes oh this is this is the, oh and then the, this uh, is the height the, yeah. yeah and then it got even higher and then and it I, crashes and i was like no 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 there's a very clear dividing line <laughs> And, and it is this New Year's Eve, bye-bye 70s, hello 80s. And let's start with Floyd Gondoli. Philip Baker Hall just coming in, throw it, just like absolutely. Throwing just, the vibes right off. <laughs> bringing in four of the dirtiest people you've ever seen. These are the real people. Okay. And he's got this slight Southern twinge. And, and he gives the best monologue of the film, which we'll get to later. Uh, but then we meet, <laughs> then we get the coke, and this is this is where you're like, oh, okay, here we go, we're going uh, down, here we're we going down, yeah. <laughs> it's going down now, and uh, and, and uh, that's the drip, that's the best part, that's the best part. What do you think of Julianne Moore in this movie? Fantastic, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I really like Julianne Moore in this movie, and it's interesting to kind of see her as a young actress because I think a lot of what I, you know, a lot of what I've seen her in is her as mm. an as an older woman now. And playing a very different role so um it was interesting to see her she was i i, I kind of I, I liked her character just the the motherly elements and like the very clearly nurturing side that she had that she didn't really get any chance to express except for other performers with her essentially um yeah i, I thought this going just she was good <laughs> the way they her child and sort of the justification for her being this nurturing sort of mother figure while also these people it made sense it's so it's so it's said so often now that it's even like a joke in new girl of that it's not about sex and porn it's about family and like there's i remember this joke in new girl of, of coach loving to time things and they do like a cutaway joke and, and Zoe Deschanel goes, 
see, it's not about porn. It's about family. And he goes, Boogie Nights, 236. <laughs> and Because uh, it is about family. It's a family. It's a movie. Of, it's not a family movie, but it is a movie about family. And I think nowhere was that shown more strongly than in the very ending. Not the yes. very ending, but the last 10 minutes. Our last follow through with Jack through his house. And we realize, oh, what the movie was about is how all of these people have come into this industry, leaving something behind, bringing all this sort of trauma from what they have left behind, escaping into this industry, and they have found this sort of second family in Jack's house, essentially. That's probably the biggest theme between Boogie Nights and, well, no, no, actually, of Paul Thomas Anderson's entire career. Actually. Always about family. <laughs> is is always about fucked up family relationships. The hard eight is Sydney becoming his dad. Specifically between men, Sydney becoming his dad. Boogie nights, as we just talked about, it's a family. Magnolia, literally every almost every single story is about a fractured relationship, child to father or mother. Punch drunk love less so but there is this wonderful running extended gag of his terrible sisters who keep bullying him and maybe that's where all of his anger comes from there will be blood again an adopted son and the i abandoned my child i abandoned my child i abandoned my child <laughs> my boy, my boy. Oh, God. What a great great film um bastard in a basket um and then the master another Pseudo, pseudo father son phantom thread not about more about relationships but huge thing with his sister and then licorice pizza which on the surface isn't about family at all but i saw a great tweet or something where they were talking about how one of the great other ways the film works is he is living with his single mother and all of the episodic people we meet all these insane male characters we meet along the way are all the different ways he could be a terrible man, all the worst father figures he could ever have. And that's an interesting element. I don't know if that's all the movie's about, but that's an interesting element to it. But something interesting that I found in this movie, because it is a movie about family, and it was flawed relationships, but important and still meaningful. Like, yes. it, was, it was all about how these relationships aren't perfect and oftentimes have very damaging elements to them, but are just so necessary for these people. Sort of like, it, just in the way, it, it's basically, it's a great movie about the people how the people you love most can fuck you up the most, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, they fuck you yeah. up your parents, they may not mean to, but they do. They fuck you up your parents because they were fucked up worse than you. Oh, that's oh fucking hell! What's his name? P something. Philip. Oh god, I'm gonna have to Google this. Seymour Hoffman. It's a poem. <laughs> yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman. They fuck you up, your parents. Um, Philip Larkin. That's his name. They fuck you up, your mum and dad. They may not mean to, but they do. They fill you with the faults they had and add some extra just for you. But they were fucked up in their turn by fools in old style hats and coats who half the time were soppy stern and half at one another's throats. Man hands on misery to man. It deepens like a coastal shelf. Get out as early as you can and don't have any kids yourself. <laughs> Thank you, Philip. <laughs> Thank you, Philip. 
this is dark. We at the Alma, often at the pub where we both work, um, I worked awake once and the sun was carrying around this Philip Larkin poems book. And I was like, I hope he didn't fucking read that. I hope that's not that one. <laughs> I was like, Jesus. Now, in memory of my dad. Yeah. Um, Wonderful man. Yeah. Todd Parker, he, he just loved the poem. He just loved the poem. Uh, Todd Parker, uh, meeting Thomas Jane. I mean, we'll talk about Todd Parker when we get to Rahad Jackson. Scotty's, Scotty's attempt, um, Scotty's closeted nature and all that sort of thing. And just, I think this is where you get where Philip, Mr. Hoffman, just makes your movie a hundred times better. Yeah, he's great. This is yeah. And he's, you're immediately connected with him. This isn't some awkward gay panic scene. It's never played for laughs. It's it's uncomfortable, but then it is just absolutely heartbreaking. And I admire and adore Anderson not cutting away. How many times do we hear fucking idiot? 10 times? 20? But it's uh, great. It's it's so, oh God, it hits you so hard. Mm. Um and at first I was worried that that was gonna I, I was worried that it was basically gonna be like uh gay guys always making a move on their straight friend when yeah, they yeah. least expect and it, it wasn't that at all um i thought it was handled really well and it was it was a tragic it was, it was a tragic story of kind of this i mean they were all searching for connection of some kind they all yeah. desperately wanted someone to love them essentially um i also yeah. like um I, I, another thing I think Hoffman does in this, I don't think he's that drunk. You sort of notice it beforehand. He's quite—he's acting quite sober. And then after he gets pushed away after the kiss, suddenly he starts acting drunk more. And it, that very clearly through Hoffman's performances, uh, I'm not drunk. I'm going to pretend to be drunk so that we can be fine in the morning. Oh, it was so it was so clear that he was like oh god we, i fucked okay i'm just i'm just gonna say i'm fucked up i'm just gonna say i'm too drunk and i couldn't handle and didn't know what was happening yeah. Very powerful <laughs> and then little bill little bill killing himself um, uh, sad as fuck in hollywood uh anderson talks yeah, about I, this a lot oh sorry go on no you're good saying so anderson talks about this a lot going to the screenings and it was with one particular one with amy mann who would of course who wrote the song for hard eight and writes all the songs for magnolia um and how he was sat at this screening with amy mann and there were all these teenagers in and he saw him going to the car and the teenagers started screaming and going yeah yeah and clapping and clapping and then he was like oh no i, I i've ruined my movie this I I I what the hell is happening? I I, I they were cheering for him. Yeah, they to, were cheering, yeah. and then he shoots them both dead, and they keep cheering louder and louder and louder, and then he shoots himself, and it's and then that absolute dead silence for the eighties yeah. title card. Yeah, it's fantastic. I I thought it was great, and you know it, we kind of made the joke while we were watching. Like he always points out that it's his wife. Why does he keep saying that? And yeah. it was because it really hits when he just closes the door and doesn't say a fucking word and just walks out to the car and back. And that happens, basically. Mm -hmm. it's, it, it, is one of those, it is one of those things where it's like, it should be important that it's his wife. Mm -hmm. And he feels that it should be important when he says that. And it's never, ever treated as important. 
Someone it's like saying it's like saying it's not fair. I mean, people say that all over this movie. I mean, Buck says it. It's not fair. And and you know, and Melora Walters pitches in. We did all the right paperwork. He goes, no, it's okay. It's not fair. This is not fair. They all say that repeatedly, and it's when pe- it's like when people say this isn't fair, as if anything can change. And it's like yes. that's my wife. This isn't fair. Nothing's going to change unless you make the change. And there are many ways that you can make that change. One of them is a healthy divorce. The other is to resort to absolute violence and murder suicide. <laughs> yeah. And you know, really part, really party pooper. I mean, come on, come on, Bill. Everybody was having a nice time. <laughs> Ruined it. Ruined everyone's 1980. Yeah. <laughs> On the commentary, Paul Thomas Anderson refers to this moment as everything's okay. Uh, you know, what's that phrase? Everything's all right until someone gets hurt or whatever. Oh, yeah. Like that's that's what that scene is. It's all like, fun and games till someone pokes their eye out. Yes. And, and of course, and of course, you didn't see it as all fun and games. You saw it as majoritively uncomfortable. Uh, but for me, it's more of a straight line. I, I find it all funny. It, it, so. You know, it is It is definitely like a sharp turn, obviously. Of like course. the beginning of the movie is very different from the end. Um, but I did, you know, it was it was always high times, high life, living it up, living our best lives with a constant undercurrent of, but there's something really fucking wrong that no one is addressing, essentially. Like none of the, all of these people are living the absolute height of excess and indulging in their success but they all have unresolved issues that are going to very clearly become problems at some point and we just it's always dropped in that these issues are still there and then we watch everyone not deal with them so it's just this building dread of like yes everyone's having a great time but there's all this stuff that's been alluded to that no one has done anything about essentially and and just just the inherent darkness of the porn industry i think that is that undercurrent whereas crime is often glorified to such an extent now it's like murder it's like you know we don't really grimace when we see murder on screen anymore really it's yeah. but there's something about that sexual element that is still is still dirty and is still perverse and is even more perverse and uncomfortable when you're sat next to your good friend and his girlfriend um <laughs> Uh, big pool fight, which we talked about. It's my big dick. State, state of California, Jack. I know where I am. <laughs> For me, it's the comedy that keeps me coming back. I know, I know what you're saying. That there it's are fleeting there comedy. Are, there are lots of funny moments. I think. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it doesn't. It doesn't draw the the movie itself draws me in. Mm. Um. I'm going to re- be repulsed by a lot of what's happening either way because it's set up to be that way. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, the comedy is well done and it's always thrown in at just the right moments. Um, it never feels like they ham-fisted a joke in, I feel like. It's all very human. It's all very funny. Uh, and then him being a recording star. Yeah. You got the touch, dude. Oh, it was just, hey. Good attempt there, Mark. <laughs> yeah, attempt. Uh, that, was, that was a fun bit. That's Michael Penn. That's Sean Penn's brother. That's the composer of of, of yes. the of the pieces of music in Had Eight, as well as the pieces of music the the piece of music in this. That's one of my changes. That score, that big top score. It's called the big top. That circus score. That dun dun dun. It's just so beautiful and great. I want it in the film more, and I want more music. Of course. 
this is also a wall-to-wall incredible 70s soundtrack so you've got to weigh it up but i love that one piece and it's used so perfectly as well as the tolling bells of hard eight once I, more. I imagine uh... I imagine a lot of that budget that would have been spent on composing original music for everything probably got spent on hiring Burt Reynolds. <laughs> yeah, and it's the right choice. It's the right choice. Uh, compared to what montage? Um, the Roberta Flack song. This is another one of those extended dark montages where they're at the record store talking to Robert Downey Sr. And it's like, I need my, that's an MP, not a YP. Oh, sorry, that's a YP, not an MP. My problem uh whilst you've also got book outlining his loan and you were like oh you said i'm glad he's gonna get out here it is and then you're slowly i saw the smile slurp off your face of just oh no even this is gonna get fucked up too as well as also seeing the first time we're shooting on film sorry shooting on video is he gonna fuck me in the ass is that what you want it'd be nice Fucker in the oh, ass. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, what are we? And then later again with the two ladies in the hot tub. And again, visually we're reminded of that great hot tub scene earlier. And it's just like, oh, the good times. But now he's talking about what about when we need to no, 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 you just keep shooting, Jack. It's 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 video. We just keep shooting. And there's just no, you're just shooting it. Mm-hmm. And then also the, the 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 best part of this, the absolute mania and horrid sadness and melancholy of amber and roller girl just shooting coke back and forth and back and forth shooting coke and both being absolutely miserable and leaning on each other for support that neither one of them can provide really and Um, and, uh, you know do you miss dirk he's so fucking talented that bastard do you miss him yeah i miss him yeah, I miss him. I but that was the moment that I think that scene was a moment where I realized, like, oh, that's like they're supposed to be a family sort of thing. They're their own little yeah. fucked yeah. up. Well, family. I mean, I, I love you, mom. I'm gonna call you mom again, yeah. and, and you just say uh, yes. It, you it, just say yes. You're gonna be my mom. It becomes extremely clear, like, okay, this is the family that they've built for themselves. But uh, that was the yeah, that was definitely the first scene where I was sort of like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're a family. They've built their own little world here. And um, and then yeah, ab- like best ten minute stretch. This isn't my favorite scene, <laughs> but the absolute low point ten minute stretch: the hand job, gay bashing, the donut shop, and the experiment. The fucking video. We're gonna try something new. It's like what the fuck are they doing? Yeah, it really drops you down uh, pretty low at that point. Um, I think it's innovation. I think that's what Jack wants, is that he was innovative and he felt like a filmmaker with using film and putting stories into the pawn. That was quite innovative. He wants to be innovative again. And this is the way that he can be innovative with this. He's doing something that no one else is doing. And in his head, he is such a focused filmmaker and all these things that he has thought of a hundred ways that this could be the best thing they ever make. And he hasn't thought of the one thing that's obviously going to go wrong is that he is not a trained performer. Never mind the fact that they, which is maybe it's a change. The worst possible. I, yeah, I really didn't feel like that was necessary. At all. That, that roller girl was forced to have sex with her high school bully. 
I think no. it's the fact that it's I'm, I'm talking about the bully. I think the I think the sex is necessary. And I think like because because we're in this absolute low point thing. And I think also you need to show bad porn. You need to show like this is we, the whole film, the whole film they're talking about. We're actors. No, we're performers. And we get to see what bad porn looks like where they, they're not doing it sexily. And it's and it's and it's, you know, it's just sex. Well, it's in this case, it's quite cinematic. Yeah. And um, well, tell that to Paul, Vilho Paul Verhoeven in Basic Instinct. But um, it's that I think the him, him literally being the bully is ridiculous. I think they could have kept the entire dialogue and just cast a different actor. Absolutely, it could have been like you could have shot that exact scene had the sex happened. I, I meant more. I just thought the fact that it was her tormentor from high school was yeah. maybe a. I also think keep the dialogue of the high school thing. Just have a different actor. How many, how many people are in a fucking high school? Yeah. I yeah. can I can accept that they have randomly picked up one of 500 guys. I'm not going to accept that they've picked up the fucking bully. The dude who, like, made fucking... Yeah, I, I love sucking cock. I love cock. It's just like... I mean, you didn't notice him. I had to say it. But, yeah, you, I didn't realize it until you pointed it out. And it does work in that sense of it's been so long that we've somewhat forgotten about him. And the bullying is such a horrid, wicked little moment that it does stick at the back of your mind. But also, it, it's completely ridiculous. Um, I, I, yeah, I, it worked. It works. It makes that whole scene just that much more awful yeah, to endure. Yeah. Um, what a wonderful life you've made for yourself. So I, I don't know. It's although I did take no small amount of satisfaction in watching her stomp his face into the pavement with her roller skating. Well, this is the thing. I watched it with a group of people, like just before lockdown. And maybe it's maybe it's a specifically no, I don't want to say specifically female. Maybe it's specific to that female. But she was like, yay. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, this guy's this guy's horrible, but what the fuck? We, this isn't good. That no, it, it certainly wasn't. I wasn't like, oh yay, good. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it no, was no, more no, just no, like yeah. a. It was more just a sense of grim satisfaction in a way. Yeah, and no, I, I agree. Yeah, I yeah. didn't want to watch that guy get away. Essentially, True. I didn't want him to get away with everything he had gotten away with. And if yeah. if it had just ended with him getting out of the car, insulting all of them, and leaving. I would have been really disappointed. I guess it, that scene wouldn't have landed as nicely. No, I think it's the. I think I think Bert's beatings enough. The roller skates are fucking brutal. Yeah, that's where it gets awful. But it gives her. her yeah, her yeah, 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 yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Um, you don't get so to fuck I, me. You don't get to fuck me. You don't get to disrespect me. But it's also a turning point for her, I yeah. think. It's a yeah. big, it, she gains her own self-respect there. Yeah. Like, that's the spark. That was the last straw that starts the spark that makes her go back and get her GED and make more of a life for herself. I think she's just kind of allowed herself to be treated this way up until now because that's all she thought she was worth, essentially. Um, yeah. And also... It we, in the dark scenes, in the videotape scenes, we never see the porn people we know. It's all these new people that Floyd yeah. keeps bringing in. We never see, like, Amber, or we never see Roller Girl in these positions of, like, this videotape horrible fucking, uh, yeah. which I think is interesting. And, and it makes me think, 
did we just not see that or did they not want to be a part of it at all and just stuck around the home and saw all this happening yeah. there we go uh and my other 10 minute stretch rahad jackson here we go man Rahad, <laughs> just this incredible little just, manic crack fueled coke fueled tarantino something else that scene it feels like it's from a whole nother world almost when yeah. they walk into that house and you again we talked about this with 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 the title card it was the first thing like long way down sorry just one more thing i love it i absolutely love it and it's that sort of knowingness and i'm sure that there are a hundred people who see that title card and go fuck you yeah. oh yeah no it's it's cheeky it's so cheeky and it's basically yeah paul thomas anderson's little wink at like yeah, yeah you see how fucking awful this is now yeah. watch yeah. this sort of thing um, um yeah it was, it was fantastic and we'll and we'll talk more about that as we go on but then and then we course end with god only knows and and, and i mean the big line julianne moore we all need to start over again and everybody gets everybody gets a pseudo happy ending and then that glorious final walkthrough with jack um just absolutely wonderful are you a love actually fan david i am a love actually fan yes i, I fucking hate love that. actually I fucking love that movie so much. And you uh, know, I hate it for many reasons. But do you know another reason I hate it? It's because they use that song. It's because they use God. And it's not because they use God Only Knows. It's because they use God Only Knows as their final closing happy montage, don't they? They do. It's fucking yeah. bullshit. It's almost like it's a good song for, for a final happy montage. But it's bullshit. You cannot steal. I, how do you feel about this? Because I get rather annoyed. Like, we've recorded the Scream podcast recently as well. And my, I have a great hatred for the use of Red Right Hand in Peaky Blinders. That is Scream's song. They used it in the first three movies and in the fifth. It's iconic. For me, that is Scream's song. Tarantino agrees with me. I, uh, on, my, on my CD of Pulp Fiction, what can I say? I am like Tarantino in many ways. <laughs> all right. It's all right. <laughs> but in the CD, he, there's an interview with him and he talks about his anger of the use of Be My Baby in Dirty Dancing. And he goes, no, man, that's 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 Mean Streets, man. They used it in Mean Streets and you can't use that again. <laughs> and I kind of feel that with God Only Knows in this, Red Right Hand in Scream. I'm sorry, it's a popular song. It's going to get used in more than one fucking movie. <laughs> but used in the exact same way. Yeah. Oh my God. Come on. Movie movies use songs for as shorthand sometimes. And it's true. It's just it some songs are meant for the openings of movies. I mean, good God, how many movies open with um Mr. Blue Sky? Uh I can't think of one other than Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> I haven't I, seen enough movies to challenge you on this, I guess. I, I'm, sorry, I I'm sorry. It's one of those things that's uh, it's only going to matter to people that have seen enough movies to know where the, the movie, where the original song is. But we'll be talking about ELO later, actually, at the Electric Light Orchestra. <laughs> uh, Tom's Windley's specific favorite part of the film. Just clear the deck, David. Just You can mute your... Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Right. The big top theme. Michael Penn's the big top theme, opening the film. The first shot, cut to Boogie Nights, the scene is absolutely electric. Heather Graham's booty wiggle in time with 
is incredible. Little Bill dropping his keys and then picking them back up is so sad. Will you close the door? He looks like Val Kilmer. Oh, don't stab, big stud. J the dad kissing Joanna Gleason on the face. Shave if you're going to do that, for God's sake. Um, <laughs> Cheryl Lynn, when he's pouncing on Cheryl Lynn's bed and you're just like, this guy is literally a child. The deep breath before Roller Girl goes down. Um, in the Mr. Torpedo area, in the fun zone, until they spurt that joy juice. I like that. The fade from Jack sitting watching the fucking to the mum sitting there. The cut from door to door of the door slamming on the mum's house and the door opening at Jack's. What a perfect transition. Oh, the Colonel absolutely talk, talking to the coke, uh, the guy who's holding the OD chick. Oh, Oh, do you think so, Doctor? Or do you think you need to get, maybe you need to get some new yeah, shit, yeah. huh? <laughs> what do you think? What do you think? Maybe that means you need to get some new shit. What do you think? Um, <laughs> the Colonel's reaction to the cock, we've already talked about it. Scotty with his pen. Amber waves in the shooting of the film. I need to check something. This is a giant cock. Great stuff. How bored everybody is when they're shooting. Going inside the camera, not enough film. I love Becky Barnett at the party, muttering her name because she knows that half the guys she talks to are going to react and go, oh, fuck. My name's Becky Barnett. I love it. The karate kick, my favourite moment, moment in the entire film, is after the rock and roll award speech, and it's the karate kick, the magnet and steel theme coming back in. Dun, 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 dun. After that, that's the kind of moment of the film. Melora, Waltz, Melora Walters' painting of Dirk. Buck dressed as an earth, wind and fire dancer. Little Bill locking his car after getting his gun, even though he knows he's going to shoot himself in the head. I, <laughs> the silent colonel on the other side, you know, am I your friend? Am I your friend? That was dark. That was pretty dark. Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Sr. saying, that's an MP, not a YP. Cut to Amber crying outside the wall. How many times? What was your last uh, offence and what was you charged? Straight cut to her crying. The tolling bells coming, <laughs> coming back. And you fucking films yeah, suck now anyway. The blood on the white suit. And this this is this is for the Christmas. Uh, the firecrackers. Every single time anybody jumps at the firecrackers. Amber <laughs> becoming a director, I enjoy. The colonel getting fucking hit up in the prison and just crying and covered in blood. Shut the fuck up, colonel. Love it. And the little bill painting and, and Jack kissing. Thank you very much. I take my bow. David. Weirdly specific favorite parts, those tiny little details. Is there uh, anything left for me to? But <laughs> <laughs> you, you took them all. Uh, that's the I'm joy. Shocked, that's the joy. Say of... butter in my ass and a oh, lollipop. David, I'm saving that for best line. I'm going to give you the entire monologue. Don't you worry. Yeah. No, those are. Yeah, you pretty much got all of mine as well. <laughs> best soundtrack, Carter. We split this two ways: best use of a song and best song full stop. Here are my nominees for best song full stop. Living Thing by ELO, 99 Love Balloons, Afternoon Delight, <laughs> Driver's Seat, and Jesse's Girl. And the winner is, uh, go on, what, what, of the, what's the best song full stop of those for you? I mean, I, I really love the way they used Jesse's Girl. We'll get to that in the next, we'll get to that in the next category. 99 Love Balloons is just one of my favorite songs anyway, so. It's just an incredible song. I love how in the German version, 99 Love Balloons, there is obviously no translation for Captain Kirk. Schlugan, Flugan, Captain Kirk. Captain Kirk. <laughs> I'm going to go for Living Thing. Best use of a song. The nominees are Best of My Love, The Emotions. God Only Knows, The Beach Boys. Magnet and Steel, Walter Egan. Feels Who Good, The Move. And Jesse's Girl by Rick Springfield. 
Three, two, one. Jesse's girl. Oh, that's the one that's building up. Fuck. Uh, where he's like, wait, wait, wait. I love this. The build up. That's Sister Christian by Night oh, Ranger. Man. Oh, man. <laughs> That's my favorite use of the song. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on. I love this fucking build. Which is me whenever I hear a song I like. <laughs> You're basically just a cokehead, but slightly more under control. Oh, I mean, without a shadow of a doubt. I, that is, <laughs> it, is my entire energy not that of a cokehead not on coke? A cokehead that keeps an immaculate schedule. <laughs> <laughs> but I do still have the um i do still have the uh uh what am i saying somebody's just ava robinson's this is going to come out a year from now but she's just sent me that apparently anna de Armas was the second choice to play catwoman in the new batman movie and now i just want to die why weren't we given that but anyway that's that's beyond the point um oh yeah 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 yeah. i have great scheduling wait no what am i talking about oh no me being a cokehead i also have the coke thing of the minute somebody says an idea, I'm like, let's do it. Let's fucking do it. And, and I come up with the whole thing. To By an example, let's do a podcast before you leave, Tom. We're going to do 10. <laughs> let's do all of the Paul Thomas Anderson <laughs> Every single one. <laughs> um, best single minute. Before I say mine, do you have any nominations? Best single minute. Um, I do love Burt Reynolds in the kitchen with Mark Wahlberg there. I mm. uh, thought that was great. Um, Mm. Mark Wahlberg's freak out and the fight between him and Burt Reynolds. Yes, very nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. State, state um, of California, Jack. I know where I am. And and just yeah, I think probably the the first meeting between Mark Wahlberg and John C. Riley making the yeah. drink. John C. Riley. I love John C. Riley going pouring in a shot of rum. <laughs> doesn't yeah. doesn't move the bottle up to his mouth. Moves his head to the bottle, which I thought was like, oh, that's just such good like physical work there. It all oh. feels very improvised, and it's not. I've read the script, right? But I mean, I well, mean, that's, I mean, that's that's, that's filmmaking. Why, that's yeah. how you know they're amazing actors yeah, yeah, is yeah, that yeah. it all feels spur of the moment yeah. and like yeah. something these characters would do. But it's all very much choreographed. Yeah. I love film. Uh, best single minute: Julianne doing coke and calling her son with the sage underneath it. Absolutely sad. Little Bill with his wife the first time, again with the sage under it. Very sad. Uh, book at the stereo store where he just throws in uh, quads per channel. Uh, oh, and the and the the country music that he blasts yeah, out yeah. of the stereo. <laughs> and the absolute just racist piece of shit owner. What kind of brother are you listening to country <laughs> music? And then no he's one like, is going to buy a stereo yeah. and play that country western shit. No, I, I brought you in because I thought you'd bring some nice pussy in the place. And you have. <laughs> <laughs> also, I don't know about you. Who's going to go to buy a stereo because your favourite porn star works there? Maybe that's just me. I don't know. You're going to go buy a stereo if... Your favorite porn stars in there selling it. Your favorite male porn star. Name your favorite porn star. I think this is a great segment that I should just throw in in like the middle of like Sweeney Todd next week with Will. Yeah, just cut, just yeah. cuts to you and me. What's your favorite male porn star? Yeah. What's your favorite lyric, Will, of Sweeney Todd? Well, I do love um, shepherd's pie peppered with actual shepherd on top. Okay, who's your favorite porn star to watch? Fuck. <laughs> Best use of a cock, best cock full stop. Um, 
We're being filthy. Yes, it's a filthy this, film. Oh yeah, how did I not throw in favorite minute, the very end, with Mark Wahlberg oh, yeah. his and the giant middle finger from or not? We finally get to see the cock. We finally see the cock after two and a half hours of everybody else reacting to it. We see the dick at the very end. This oh. may be the weirdest tangent I ever go on. I love the use of the word cock. <laughs> it's used a lot in Magnolia as well. Um, it's used about every 10 fucking sentences in this movie. <laughs> where the fuck is Ringo? Dirk stands up, unzips his pants and lets his cock hang out. He looks at the reflection of it in the mirror. I'm a star. 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 I'm a big, bright, shining star. He puts his cock back in his pants, does a final karate kick and walks out of the room, closing the door behind him. End. Yikes. Wow. That, if that is the last line of your script, just bow down and take the Oscar right now. I'm a star. I'm a star. I'm a big, bright, shining star. Have you seen Goodwill Hunting, David? I have, yeah. Do you want to have the debate now of is, is? Two points. Let's do the easiest one first. Robin Williams deserved to be the best supporting actor, didn't he? Over Burr. I, I would say, yeah, his performance in Goodwill Hunting was, yeah. Yeah, very I mean, close, very close second there. Yeah. Did Matt Damon and Ben Affleck deserve to win Best Original Screenplay over this? Yeah, I don't think so. No, I think this has a better screenplay. I think this beats it. I think, I mean, Goodwill Hunting, very close second. Very, very close second. And also, are you ready for this one? I'm going to throw the hen to the chickens. David, who's my favorite actor of all time? Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson <laughs> wins this year. You don't have to be scared. Jack Nicholson, <laughs> Jack Nicholson wins this year for as good as he gets. I would have given it to Matt Damon for good old hunting. You would have given Matt Damon over Jack Nicholson for that. Yeah. And I would have given Jack Nicholson his third Oscar for about Schmidt. Hmm. I mean, to be fair, Matt Damon had a lot more to... I guess overcome in that 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 wasn't his first that was his first movie, Goodwill Hunting, wasn't it? Or wasn't it was his the first, first movie, it was the first script. It, it was the first the, script. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like he was just less established than Jack Nicholson was at the time and had a lot well, more. Well, yeah, to, that's another yeah, that's another he had a lot more to overcome yeah. as a lead actor in that movie than yeah. Jack Nicholson would. Um two eggs yeah. over easy. Bring the bake, six strips of bacon. Oh, you're having six today. I do love as good as a guest. I take a man. <laughs> um, not my new semester, but um, backroom blowjob we talked about. Uh, Mum kicking him out. God, fuck that little girl. Um, Amber's son calling at the party with Lonely Boy playing. Is there a Maggie here? Is there a Maggie? A Maggie? Maggie? And at this time, we don't actually know that she's named Maggie. And mm. I think on the first couple of times, I just completely went past, it went past me, even though we then cut straight to, I wonder oh, where really? his mom is. That, that escaped him. I I, wonder, uh, maybe it's because I was a small child watching it, which is another factor, which will. Yeah, no, I thought that was, that was a very, that was, that was one of those moments uh, when you're in the, like the good times where yeah. it's like, there's the unresolved shit running underneath everything that no one is dealing with essentially. Yeah. No, very good stuff. Um, I also have here, oh, little Bill fooled around and fell in love. My wife is on the driveway, Kirk, with an ass in her cock. 
Yeah, with an ass in her cock. That was, I think that was one of my favorite lines. My wife is in the driveway with an ass in her cock. <laughs> I mean, it's not going to be, but just put that on my tombstone, David. I'm going to write a will for you, just for you to show my mom if I die prematurely and uh, just see what her reaction is. Um, the hot tub scene, the hot tub scene, obviously leading into the name of Dirt Diggler, but starting off with, do you want to hear my poem? You and me down the love tree. The honey's so sweet. But the bees won't sting, won't sting because you because love me. You love me. <laughs> that was great, man. Did you write that? <laughs> oh, they're just my they're my favorite last little two brain cells. It's it's very much like a stepbrothers kind of <laughs> dynamic. No, uh, I uh, big big fan, big fan. Uh, next, yeah, uh, boogie shoes and the doing the shirts montage. Uh, then mm. I love little single minute, which I'm calling Dirk the director where he's talking with Jack and they're talking with Roller Girl about they're doing the positions. And he's like, well, if I throw a leg over, then we can go straight into doggy style. Would that work for you? Yeah, that's fine. And, and then is the waterbed okay? Is the movement on, is that is this okay, Kirk? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I like it. I like but the waterbed. It was, it was really good at showing that he's a natural. He's a yes. natural performer. He's, he's good. Like it not only is, he's not just being bigged up because he's got a big dick. Mm. Anyone, not anyone, but you know, he, he's got a big dick. And if that was the only thing that made him special, no one would give a shit about his character. But the fact is, he's a good performer. He's yeah. a good porn actor. And Ending, of course, uh, with... Do you want me to do a Spanish accent? <laughs> you do a Spanish accent, yeah. Oh, great. Great stuff. Uh, disco disco break, choreographed. That's like absolute... Yeah, it was the choreographed the stuff. <laughs> Um, Which is why I thought this is where the crash comes. Because I was like, yes. how do you get any higher than a choreographed disco break? <laughs> and also, it feels like one of those things where it's like, in another movie, I'm just like, this could ruin it. Or, or this could be like the scene that I'm like, oh, what the fuck is this? What the fuck is this here for? But yeah. it's just realistic enough. Like, it's not this incredible... I mean, I would have, of course, loved a 10-minute extended musical number. But anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's oh, choreographed. It's choreographed, but it's not clean. No, no, yeah. like they're not amazing dancers. They're just dancing together. Reed's interview about violence with his robe, with his cigarette, with his outrageous hair, and he's <laughs> yeah. like, "Violence is in the world, the man. plague on our society." And <laughs> just crazy. I loved, I loved that whenever you really sat down and talked with him or Mark Wahlberg, you get the sense like neither one of these guys has much going on upstairs. Essentially, yeah, no, it's very good. <laughs> Uh, the Colonel in Prison, very dark one, but very good. Best acting yeah. of Robert Robert Ridgely and Burt Reynolds. It, it was heart-wrenching. It was heart-wrenching yeah. watching him beg for just to have one friend because he knows he's lost everything else and all he wants is to know that he's got one person out there that still cares about him and he doesn't even have that anymore. I just love the the little arcs of that scene of, of, of Burt finding out each thing. You know, like she's she was 15 going on 150, man. You gotta believe me. And he's like Bert Reynolds go from okay, how can we fix this? It's not that bad to oh, it's yeah. even worse. And yeah, I'm not your friend. And yeah. no, I can't. And then just that that final pathetic little nod of just yeah, yeah, yeah I'm your I'm your friend. And it's that acceptance of I'm this fucking monster's friend. That's how it's always read to me. And Robert Ridgely, absolutely incredible. Just absolutely phenomenal performance there. 
Um, yeah, it did, you know, it didn't read for me as Burt Reynolds saying, "Yeah, I'm your friend." It oh, yeah. read for it read for me as Burt Reynolds basically like letting go of this person, essentially. Yeah. Uh, oh no, he's doing that as well. It's definitely all in there, but it, it's that. Uh, yeah. I saw the little nod, but I I don't know. I guess I just I saw that as basically just Burt cutting ties with this person right there. Yeah. Uh, the heart wrenching scene. Yeah, heart wrenching. Great, great stuff. Great stuff. Uh, just a little one, Jack walking through the videotape factory with the big top music underneath and just like there's, there's the absolute machine. There's, and then he goes in to see Ricky Jay and he's like, how is it? It is what it is. Video, yeah. And I, I love what the, there's a big focus with this, with the videotape stuff that it's really gratuitous and really violent against women. When what's the first thing Dirk said when talking about Brock Landers? I watch these John Holmes movies and he's violent against women. You know, that's that's not sexy. That's, I mean, I made the joke with you of like, see, he's a feminist. But like, you know, there, I think it's a clear choice of he, with the Brock Landers stuff, he wanted to be. What does he talk about in his interview? I've shown thousands of men how to make their wives come. I've shown that I've saved thousands of relationships. relationships. Yeah. He wanted to be an actor. Yeah. And he ends up being one in uh, in the porn industry, I guess. But it, it, it ties back into like all of his creative decisions when he first gets onto the set and asking about like being using a Spanish accent and stuff. It's like, yeah. it's clearly an actor. He's making creative decisions yeah. for his Great. You know? It's fantastic. <laughs> uh, the custody hearing scene with David Letterman, the counselor, outrageously looks like David Letterman. <laughs> and then uh, coming home to Jack, just that hold and that sadness. We all know what my favorite part of the God Only Knows montage is. Read really? the magician. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Oh, good what stuff. What the heck? Naughty, Why? naughty candy. <laughs> I love that that's where his arc goes. See, that was that was one of my favorite things spread throughout this film was that John C. Riley's character was a magician as well as a porno actor. Uh, uh, I just love those little tidbits where he's yeah. doing a magic trick. Oh, dark for that favorite line, one of my favorite lines in the movie. But aren't you worried about the dark forces? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, 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 no. It's it's an illusion. Yeah, it's confusing. Yeah, it's confusing, but aren't Thank you scared you. enough? <laughs> oh, good stuff. Um, uh, what am I doing? Uh, best line. Be talk about best line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Throw, throw a couple out. I've got, I mean, I've got so many. Jesus I mean, Christ. That was, that was definitely one of my favorites. Uh, the whole, can I see your, can I see it? I hear you have a, or I hear you have a yeah. huge car. Can I see it? I love, Thank you, um, <laughs> <laughs> I love, uh, you live on the street? What? No, no, no. I, I thought Jack just said that you lived on the street. After after Jack says, this is the new kid on the street. Um, you alive, man? I thought you were dead. Just a throwaway line in the thing. Uh, and the award for the best car goes to, here we go again, Dirk Diggler. Um, oh, it's true. You are Bracklanders. Uh, let's go get some of that Saturday Night Beaver. And then, you know. Let's this go get some of that Saturday Night Beaver. <laughs> And, you know, this is the film that I want them to remember me by. Um, what are the ones? I've got so many. I, I, I should delineate, but I'm not going to. This is my fifth favorite film. Um, <laughs> here we go. 
I'm not a complicated man. I like cinema. In particular, I like to see people fucking on film. But I don't want to win an Oscar and I don't want to reinvent the wheel. I like simple pleasures, like butter in my ass and lollipops in my mouth. That's just me. That's just something I enjoy. Call me crazy? Call me a pervert. But there's one thing and I'm going to do in this life and it's going to make a dollar and cent in this business. Ooh. Thank you. I love... I should have done that as my Bruford monologue. You... <laughs> Hello, I'm going to be reading Floyd Gondoli from Boogie Nights. Call me a pervert. I don't care. <laughs> You're not the boss of me, Jack. You're not the king of Dirk. I'm the boss of me. I'm the king of me. I'm Dirk Diggler. I'm the star. It's my big dick. And I say when we shoot. Love that. You're fucking nothing without me. <laughs> Let me just check on something. This is a giant cock. Um, we've done the poem. Um, my fucking wife has an ass in her cock in the driveway, Kirk. Um, what the fuck are you doing? What the fuck does it look like I'm doing? Um, oh, yeah. Oh, wait, I've, I've hit up most of these. I've hit up most of these. Uh, oh, here we go. Here we go. I want what's in the safe. I want what's in the goddamn safe. Um, we're about to make film history here on videotape. Videotape. <laughs> hey, did you ever see Star Wars? Oh, about four times. People tell me I look like Han Solo. Um, oh, my God. The magic, the magic that's on those tapes, that's, that's ours. That belongs to us. You don't fucking own that, man. Uh, that's, that's it. That's all I have for what's, what's the best line. And, and I think that was enough. What's the change? Now, you've talked about your general, you know, like it not being one of your favorites, blah, blah, blah. Are there, is there anything that you would change with the actual film? Anything that you I think, think of we already kind of, uh, Oh, uh, as far as the filming goes, no, I think it was a, masterfully crafted piece of cinema uh yeah. i guess yeah we've already touched on the one change i would make yeah which picking is that up the bullet um, yeah um are a couple of the music choices too on the nose afternoon delight with a bit of afternoon sex and mama told me not to come or do they work I, with this sort of headiness for, for me they i don't know it doesn't feel too on the nose i didn't really notice that yeah. the music was, yeah Let's talk about a couple of deleted scenes because this is a movie where I, I, there's a couple. I mean, I showed you them because I wanted, I want them in. I want the there's a scene. Sorry, I don't know. I want to talk about Becky. The the New Year the um, porn awards party where the it's the yeah the porn awards party, uh, and we just sort of see everybody again. I want that one in. It's completely superfluous and it's probably a waste of everybody's time. Uh, but I, I, but I want that in most definitely. Um, I don't think that would have hurt the film to have it in there because at that point it's already a two and a half hour movie. You might as well throw in that thirty seconds of shots of everybody having a good time. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, most definitely. Um, what am I even talking about here? Oh yeah, the Becky scene, the Becky deleted scene. So this is. A scene that was removed for timing, for pacing, and to avoid giving somebody else another horrid fate. Now, I showed you this one. So this comes, this is a deleted scene with Becky Barnett, where we find out that she's now in a tragic domestic abuse relationship. Uh, Dirk is called, gets fucked up on coke, and speeds off and crashes his car, hence why they need the car fixing. We also find out that Johnny Doe uh, died in a very similar car accident very recently. How did you feel? Is this a correct choice to have it out of there? Or 
was this kind of needed? I think cutting it was the right choice. Yeah, I. Yeah. there's already so many downward spirals happening and it felt like Becky was just superfluous enough of a character. Yeah. And I would have just been like, oh my God, there's just, <laughs> we get it. Everyone is fucking suffering. And I don't know, I feel like it would have just, it would have been a little too much extra time spent on misery. The like we get what's happening essentially by this point. And there's more than enough of everybody else's lives yeah. going bad. There's of course the, the very specific element of putting it in of Paul Thomas Anderson's research revealed so much domestic abuse in yeah. marriages born out of the porn industry where where people where there were both where both people weren't in the porn industry so much violence there however it, it, I, I agree with you of like oh fucking everybody's miserable yeah. I like I, but also this work this doesn't work for me because I watched this movie over and over again and it's, I'm like it's not, it's not necessarily that everybody would be miserable it's just like I, I felt like the downward spiral scenes, what we saw of mm. everything going wrong, and then going into the uh, Raha Jackson, scene. yeah, Raha Jackson's mm. scene. I felt like that was really well timed, right? We get a very sharp, dramatic, extended kind of downhill slope, and then we kick right into that scene. Yeah, um, and I think throwing in just one more scene with all of that happening would have just killed the pacing a little bit it would have, it would have been like okay and now here's another extended scene yeah. of someone going through horrible things um and it just would have killed the pacing a bit i think i agree a few fun facts obviously there's so many lots of research around this movie uh amber waves custodial problems uh were inspired by porn star veronica hart who plays the judge during the scene in which the custody hearing is sorted. Uh, we've talked about Burt Reynolds and uh, Paul's relationship. Uh, we're going to talk about Leo. Leo? Yeah, What's being this, son? He was supposed to be Dirk, but he took Titanic instead. Not a bad choice. <laughs> Every, I, think, I think everything worked out. I think Mark Wahlberg's better than Leo. In for this, this part, yeah. For this part, yeah. And I think, obviously, Titanic. I mean, obviously, Christ alive. Uh, yeah. Because of yeah, a negative I mean, experience with the studio changing his film's title, Paul Thomas Anderson incorporated Boogie Nights into the opening shot of the film as a physical sign. I wish he did that with every movie. Just a big just neon. the title of the movie in the first shot. <laughs> big, big neon, there will be blood. Uh, when he appeared on Inside the Actor Studio, William H. Macy recalled that at the rap party, Nina Hartley, who played his character's wife and is a real-life porn star, gave all the cast gifts of her own porn films. Macy's present was a copy of Nina Hartley's Guide to Anal Sex, 1996. Hey. I mean, you... Oh, go on. That, no, just, that's, that's a fantastic present to give. <laughs> Uh, Weirdly enough, I give people Nina Hartley's Guide to Anal Sex as a gift on all of my productions. Uh, I just, I thought it does show in the movie how all of these people have a very comfortable and frank relationship with all of these things that other people mm. hold taboo. Mm. Um, and they just aren't phased by those things because it is sort of their world. And, you know, it just kind of goes to show in giving a present like that, you know. <laughs> And also, it's like, 
it's that thing of um, when it comes down to it, the only thing that changes that for so many people in this, and obviously there are different reactions to that, is marriage. In what world do they think that marriage is going to completely change everybody's the way that everybody is? Yeah. Uh, Electrolyte Orchestra leader Jeff Lane originally refused to let the song Living Thing be used in the film because he has a problem with sex and violence in movies. Lane asked to see a screening of the film and loved it so much that he allowed the song to be used. That's what I like to hear. I love you, Jeff. After filming the devastating scene between Eddie Adams and his angry mother, Joanna Gleason was talking to Paul Thomas Anderson and asked him if it, the material reflected the relationship between Anderson and his own mother. Anderson became very quiet and did not answer the question. Gleason then put her hand on his shoulder and said, you don't have to forgive her. Oh. Powerful stuff uh, from the IMDb trivia page there. Uh, intended, uh, Anderson intended for further scenes with Rahad Jackson. After the bloody attempted robbery, the police would arrive and Rahad would gather his weapons ready to go out in a blaze of glory. I think that should have been shot and should have been in the film because this is just a huge glaring question of what the fuck happens next. Why doesn't Rahad go after them? Not, not important enough. I think the whole, okay. I don't think it would have been necessary. Like Rahad Jackson's scene served its exact purpose, which was Mark Wahlberg's absolute lowest point where he almost dies for a second time. And it's what convinces him, okay, I need to stop this. It, we just didn't, as fun as Rahad Jackson was, there's very much a, such a thing as like too much of a fun, quirky side character. And another I, Oh scene, yeah, oh yeah. Do you know what she said, David? Too much of a good thing is wonderful. <laughs> In 1970, oh, these are the taglines. Pick your best tagline, David. I'm going to give you three. Everyone has one special thing. Okay. The life of a dreamer, the days of a business, and the nights in between. Mm, no. In 1977, sex was safe, pleasure was a business, and business was booming. Probably the third one. Although everyone has one special thing will make people chuckle once they watch the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we talked about Leo, we talked about Warren. Uh, next thing is going to be 1990, then 2000. Where is everybody in the year 2000? Who is still alive? Let's oh, go Dirk. Uh, Let's go Dirk. I think Dirk looks pretty sober. Dirk is still alive. I think he's sobered up by then. But he's like one of those aged porn stars, maybe trying to be what Jack was to him. Yeah, like, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not quite smart enough to pull it off in the way that Jack did, maybe. Yeah. Although, who knows? After... 20 something years in the porn industry maybe he has kind of gotten to the point where jack's at yeah i think jack becomes a floyd gondoli type um except well this is the thing with the ending are they making then a videotape movie that he is trying to put some art into yeah, or I think or, or, oh, sorry, sorry, he's sticking yeah. with film well i think the whole idea is that jack as it turns out, is smart enough to change with the times. Yeah. And we know he's someone who's going to continue innovating. But I think, yeah, I think at the end of the movie, we basically just see a Jack who's like, who is just a grown with the industry. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah this yeah. is the reality now. I'm, I, if I want to continue making money and I want to continue making movies, I'm going to be doing it on VHS tapes, you know? And yeah. 
And uh, he, I don't know if he's necessarily happy about it or if he's still trying to make art or not, but we basically just get the point that Jack is someone who's going to evolve with the times. Yeah. Essentially. Um, oh, one minute, there's somebody knocking. Did Amber become a director of commercials or a director of porn or a director at all? Yeah, I don't think Amber ever became a director. <laughs> I think I think she made that one film uh, and then Jack very gently kind of... She makes... Because she does make the commercial. She does make um, books commercial. Hmm. Who sure knows? You, make sure you come inside. She does, I, you know, I, you know I'll, I'll rescind that. Maybe she does become a better director as time goes on and gets better and better. But I think the whole idea is that it doesn't really matter what any of these people eventually become. The idea is that they're going to have each other, yes. whatever they all become, essentially. Um, yes. As long as Jack's alive, at least, to give him a house to do it all in. <laughs> yeah. uh, Reed, Reed, does Reed become a David Copperfield level magician? <laughs> no, no. I Fine. I, David Blaine. Uh, David Blaine is better than C David Copperfield and always was. Um, Excuse me? But what about showmanship, David? Uh, David Blaine's way better. He, he doesn't need showmanship because he can just walk up and blow your fucking mind without having to do any other shit and then walks away like he didn't just oh. perform a miracle. Uh, anyways. Um, yes, as you were. Back to, back to David. Back to... Um... I, the way I saw it, watching the end was whether or not they all go on to become big successes at all of their dreams the point is that they've all moved on and have other things going like they're, yeah. they're all going more whole and complete lives essentially whether or not they become amazing successes they're going to be more well-rounded and happy people i guess they're going to build lives for themselves essentially mm -hmm. i think david that's it for my fifth favorite film, Boogie Nights. Really? Ah, David, I've convinced, I, I know I know the answer, but I've convinced you, and this is now your, in your top five as well, isn't it? Yes, naturally, because I'm someone who has top tens, yeah. <laughs> yes. who has a top ten movies. Um, it's, it's an excellent, it's an excellent movie. It, it really is. It's fantastic. And yes, I could probably rewatch it now, knowing what I know. But yeah, yeah it's, that is an exhausting movie. Oof. I cannot wait um, for Magnolia. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a good time. It, it's yes, it's going to be it's going to be a time. And uh, you can catch it right here on the Crothers Legatus oh podcast. Oh. Guys, like or subscribe. Magnolia, <laughs> three hours of depression. Like and, and grief. subscribe, all ten of you. <laughs> David, I'll let you know that we have. How many subscribers do we have? How One of them is me. So <laughs> we currently have this is live. This might change in a year. <laughs> a nice, a nice forty. Um, yeah, oh man, two hundred episodes, forty subscribers. We're gonna keep rocking and rolling. <laughs> Some people say that these podcasts are shit. But I'm going to keep trying to make these podcasts better. better. You're, you're going to try with me. We're just going to keep rocking and rolling. Rocking and rolling. <laughs>
Do, 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 do. All right, let's do our synchronized disco dance. Here we go. <laughs> right, David. Okay, three, two, one. This is genuinely going to the end. What is your favorite disco song? I'm going to give you five seconds to think about it. Five, four, three, two, one, go. Staying alive. Great song. I think I'm going to go for Le Freak. Ba-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-